You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. And welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. This is a podcast that I put together because I have a lot of fun conversations with my friends, and I thought, well, maybe somebody else would like to listen to these too. Uh, we've got another great podcast lined up this week, although we did start out on kind of a down note, and I would like to have a moment of silence for Powerless, which was canceled uh, two weeks ago, I think, at the time of recording. It was a show that I think had potential. It was getting funnier as it progressed, which I know is sort of damning it with faint praise, but I was enjoying it, and uh, I'm kind of sad to see it go uh, without even being able to air its final few episodes. So since we're going to talk about another DC series today, I thought it was fitting to uh, give Powerless a little moment of silence there. All right, well, now we're going to go into introducing our cast this week. Starting off, uh, this is a guy that you last heard talking about his opinions on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, he is the writer of New Comic Day, and that is my friend Eric. How are you doing, Eric? I'm the Lord of Illusions. Okay. <laughs> if I could do a Master Shake voice, I totally would have just done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just like quoting like random stuff whenever I can. The Lord of Illusions. That's perfectly fine. Doing okay. Okay. Trying good. to get back on track with everything, but... Other than that, doing okay. Uh, how uh, how have things been since you were last on the show, which I think was in January, so a few months now. I am deeply offended that you haven't had me on since. How dare you? Hey, you don't ask to. I haven't asked to be on until recently, <laughs> so... <laughs> because I wait for you to tag me in, like, every other post. <laughs> hey, I just tag people that I know are interested in something, or I strongly suspect they are. If you ever see anything that you are interested in and I haven't tagged you, then you can just say, hey, I'd like to be on this, so... <laughs> it's on you. I thought you. I was a shoo-in for the uh, arcade episode. <laughs> Oh, okay. oh! I forgot about with that. The, That's right. You did say with yeah. The you, whole, yeah, with the whole how old do you think I am? Right. Yes. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe yeah, I should go with somebody else. Another coin inside of the uh, machine. <laughs> right. So, so I have watched Turbo Kid. Yes, I know. Which was not something that was on the Forty Two cast, but was on your podcast um, yes. that you told me about Turbo Kid, and I have to say that was a very surprisingly good movie. I was not expecting much from it with a title like Turbo Kid, but that was the best 80s movie that I think has come out in the last 25 years. Though, you did compare one of my nerd crushes to Kimmy Gibbler, so I'm not sure I can talk to you right now. <laughs> that actress looks just like the no. actress for Kimmy Gibbler. No. No. <laughs> they could be like no. mother-daughter. <laughs> no. Okay. Nine. Nine. Okay. <laughs> but it also had the role that Michael Ironside was born to play. <laughs> Other than Darkseid. 
rather than Darkseid. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't really play Darkseid. He was the voice he actor was for Darkseid. Dark well, yeah, I mean, his voice <laughs> is very yeah. suited for Darkseid. He didn't play Darkseid. He was Darkseid. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, totally. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad. Thank you for uh, for uh, turning me on to that movie. And for anyone who's listening, uh, Turbo Kid is on Netflix as a yep. streaming movie. Uh, you cannot find a oh. DVD for it anywhere. Remind me to link you to the music video later. It's okay. the prequel of what um, Apple was up to before she meets Turbo Kid. Okay. <laughs> it's like a 10 minute long music video and it's so good. Okay. Well, and and the you music find on out all about the skeleton that she was with at the beginning of the movie. Okay. Yeah, well, the the music on Turbo Kid was also excellent. Yes. It's very, um, very, uh, never-ending story. Yeah. <laughs> nope, that's, that pretty much nails it. But, uh, it's good to have you back on, Eric. It is good to be here, I guess. No. Wow. Alright, moving right along. I'm never going to be on again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is a guy that knows way more about video games than I ever will. Uh, he is, always has a drink in hand while podcasting. You've heard his opinions on heroes and arcades, and that is James. How are you doing, James? I'm doing good. Oh, life's picking back up. Uh, I have finally acquired an actual job that pays me money. Um, That's very which good. Which is awesome. Yeah. And uh, the pod, my podcast is uh, getting into full swing. I've got uh, five episodes recorded, so just waiting on editing uh, so I can start debuting those. And uh, and I finally got to sit down and watch the new Teen Titans, the Judas Contract movie that was released. And uh, it's, it's not bad. Like, I mean, I, I enjoy DC animated films, man, mm. far more than I've enjoyed a DC, you know, live action films <laughs> as of late. So, <laughs> Well, the bar is pretty low when you say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have Batman shooting guns at people. What? Oh, sorry. I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Even though this episode will probably be out after Wonder Woman premieres, I am hopeful, at least, that Wonder Woman will turn things around. Right? Here's hoping. Yeah. No, that's great to hear, uh, James, that you've uh, you got a job lined up and everything. So have you actually started, or is it coming up? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm in day three of training, which is amazingly boring. Um, I spend a lot of time staring at a computer screen and going through e-learning, <laughs> which is <laughs> mostly... Uh, I've been, you know, we're, I've worked in the bank industry for, God, 10 years now, so it's all just, like, review. Like, I just sit there, and I'm like, yep, I know about that regulation. Yep. The government sucks. Yep. All right. Cool. <laughs> and so that's like eight hours a day right now. Yeah, I'm I'm on my third company since graduating college, and it's it's pretty much the same thing too. Like, uh, you know, I, I've worked in lots of factories, and it's you go through the same training every time, and it's super boring. And so I totally get it. But. No, that's that's great, and it's great that your podcast is picking up. I feel your pain because I probably have like ten or eleven episodes sitting waiting for editing. So I uh, get how that is. Hopefully, uh, we'll both get our episodes cranked out pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's great to have you on, James. Thank you. All right, and next up. It is the guy that you're probably sick of hearing by now. He's on just about every episode of this podcast. We can't make him go away. That is the man that you love to hate, and that's Mr. Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? Well, you know, I'm, I'm doing great. I guess I'm kind of uh, the Legion of Doom to your legends. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty fitting. 
which means I'm more entertaining, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So let's see. Who would you be? I guess you're more of a Malcolm Merlin, huh? I was going to say he's totally Malcolm. (laughs) You know, I'm fine with that. I I really... yeah, actually, that I can I can totally see that I'm rich. Women seem to love me unaccountably. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, I can sing. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so how have things been going for you, Ryan, since we recorded just three days ago? <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't changed any of my opinions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, th- things are going fine. Uh, I can see kind of some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, next week, I'm going to have a lot of downtime. So maybe some of those promises that I've been making to you and others can finally come to fruition. Um, at the very least, I can start linking podcasts to my website and, and so forth and so on. You know, maybe you should actually post something on your website that, you know, is more recent than a Batman v Superman okay. review. <laughs> Dude, that movie killed my website. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, next week, next week, I'm going to have a couple of days off in the middle of the week with no one except the cats home. Mm. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> oh, I hear you there. I... I long for those empty days that never happen anymore. (laughs) But, uh, all right, well, it's good to have you back, Ryan. Good to be back. So that people know, when I say things like that to Ryan, or when I say things like he's the man you love to hate and you were trying to get rid of him, I am joking. So, just in case anyone thinks that I'm being serious. But anyway. <laughs> I may just edit that out, but you know, I thought I should. Say you know, well, I mean, if you edit it out or not, I, I will say that I am sending you my therapy bills. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, since you've all been here before, you know what comes up next, and that is five questions. Okay. <laughs> so for those of you just joining us, uh, five questions is just a way for us to loosen up before we dive into the topic. And so I have a random number generator that spits out five questions that can be, they're weighted geeky, but they're not all geeky, and they only have two possible answers. So it kind of keeps us uh, on track and not getting out into the weeds with too much uh, discussion. All right. <clears throat> scarier monster alien or predator yeah i mean if i had to go scarier Mm -hmm. damn it i don't know man why (laughs) (laughs) which one would you rather encounter table flip (laughs) yeah uh if i had to go i guess it for me i guess if i had to go scarier i'd say aliens and i think it's only because there's just a lot more jump terror that comes out of them. It's always like out of a dark corridor, out of nowhere, mm. um, or something like flash jumping into your face. Like predators, it's just the suspense of knowing something is hunting you to kill you. For me, so I would I would go with aliens as, as scarier. Okay, Eric, I go aliens because pre- I don't consider predators um, under the definition of a uh, monster. Because okay. they're much more humanoid in nature. Sure, but I think you're—I think you're reading too much into the way I phrased it. Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> this is my cheat. Okay. <laughs> All right. He's dying on that hill. <laughs> Ryan. Uh, I'm going to go with aliens, or and, and that's simply because 
Um, <laughs> to kind of echo Eric a little bit, you can predators are rational beings they have a code of ethics you know you don't want to be killed by a predator just drop your weapon it won't kill you if you're weaponless or not a threat in any yeah. way so yeah. you know yeah. a, a, a true predators would disagree with you we talk well and, and, the, and predators, it depends they, on if they're hunting you specifically or not oh okay yeah that's yeah, well, yeah and if and you're the collateral then yeah they won't mess with you if you don't if you don't mess with them well, yeah, if, those, if they're those, on your planet, they're not going to come after you if they're, you're not their target. Yeah. The, the the humans and predators were specifically selected because they were dangerous. That's you know, true, weapon, yeah. No weapon. <laughs> um, so I guess, all right, fine, if I'm beamed to another planet, then I'm screwed, <laughs> you know. But uh, even at that, I'll just cover myself with mud. I guess I'm fine, you know. But, uh, I mean, Danny Glover survived for years. Whereas aliens, they're like all instinct. They will kill you. I mean, they will kill themselves. To, to escape a situation so yeah i'm gonna go with uh, the xenomorphs hand down i've read um some of the alien versus predator novels and i gotta say i'd be a lot more afraid of a predator coming after me than an alien because i feel like the lack of intelligence is actually works in favor of being more scared of the predator because an alien you can outthink uh you could you know defeat it somehow predators are clever predators will mess you up you know, I, don't, I, I would much rather face a alien than a predator. Um, of course, it all depends on circumstances. But yeah, I mean, are we taking like if one predator with all their tech versus one alien drone? You're probably right. right. But if we're talking a hive with a queen versus, yeah. you, know, you know, I mean, it depends. Yeah, it is circumstantial. I'll agree. I need to reword the question. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> All right. Second question. All right. Better host of the Satellite of Love, Joel Hodgson or Mike Nelson? So I'm the guy who doesn't know what that is. Uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Have you never watched it? Uh, I literally just started watching it. Like oh, okay, weekend. like the new Netflix version. Yeah, the new. Netflix oh, see, version. I haven't seen any of the new one. Um, oh. th- those were the two original hosts of the show. Because um, I had this question before there ever was even a new Netflix uh, series. So okay, that's fine. So you don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> Eric. <laughs> so I lean towards Joel, mm. but I mean I'm gonna go with Joel. But I'm also saying since I am watching the new series. Jonah's getting up there. Okay. Jonah's doing fantastic so far. And I know you just said you haven't been able to sit down and watch it at all yet. There's In the first episode, there's this amazing segment, uh, one of the sketches, where they're doing this whole uh, song about different kaijus, and you will love it. It's so good. Yeah. I'm still watching some of the DVD sets that I already had, that I've had since before they announced the (laughs) new series. (laughs) It'll be a while before I get to it because I figure I should watch the things I've purchased first. But anyway, uh, Ryan, um, you know I, I think Joel might actually be funnier, but Mike was my first, so I, I think I have to go that way. See, I think Mike is funnier hands down. I never found Joel particularly funny. Um, it always seemed to me like he was half asleep, and uh, <laughs> I just. I find some of the movies that they reviewed very funny. Yeah, maybe and that's they have, it. Yeah. yeah, and they have some good commentary and whatnot, but uh, I think that Mike is a far funnier guy, so for me it's my... Uh, he was also my first, though, too, because I didn't, I didn't see it until it was on sci-fi. Uh, I never watched yeah. it when it was on comedy. So I've only seen it, the comedy episodes, getting the DVD sets. 
yeah, I, there's still plenty of the original that I haven't seen. So I, I'm, I am a completionist normally, but I just, I don't know, I, that, that's just something that's never happened. So I, <laughs> I reserve the right to change that answer. <laughs> right. Have you seen the new one at all yet, Ryan? Not, it's on my list, but I've got, I, I still haven't caught up on Legion yet. You know? Oh, okay. I've got, mm. I've, yeah, <laughs> I'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay, third question. <laughs> this one will be funny with the cast of all guys. Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth? Oh, the Chris's. <laughs> That's right, the Chris's. I'm a Chris Evans kind of guy. Okay. I I think I've just I've seen him longer, um, and so I just know more of his like film filmography and everything, and so I've just always been a little bit of a better fan and uh, for him. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with that one. Okay. One of them has played Casey Jones, therefore he wins. <laughs> Chris Evans. Chris Evans was Casey Jones? Yeah, you never saw the 2007 um, TMNT cartoon? No. It's the it's the it's the movie with uh, Patrick Stewart as the bad guy. It's okay. uh it's Chris Evans is uh, Casey Jones, and guess who April O'Neil is? Scarlett Johansson. Nope. They're <laughs> Michelle Gellar. Oh, okay. I don't know how I would have guessed that from Chris Evans being Casey Jones, but okay. Oh, no, just because I mentioned Patrick Stewart was the bad guy. You have Patrick Stewart, <clears throat> Patrick Stewart, um, Chris Evans, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, and you have Nolan North, for good measure, as rap. Okay. So it's Still not sure how I could have guessed cast. Sarah Michelle Gellar, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's a loaded voice cast. It's so okay. good. All right, Ryan? Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't know how you didn't get Sarah Michelle Geller from those clues. I, it was just there. <laughs> there were no clues, I just was saying you get a guess. <laughs> I was like, Chris there were Evans? No clues. It was like a redhead. Uh, Scott Johansson is Black Widow. <laughs> she wears the red wig when she's doing April. <laughs> Listen, buddy, you've got Captain Picard and Captain America. So clearly, you're going to go with Buffy. John Lynch Picard. Uh, all right. Um, okay, this is a rerun for me. I've had this one before. Yes, you but have. I, yeah, I don't remember my answer that <laughs> <time>. <laughs> uh, I remember your answer. What? I'm sorry? I, I remember what which way you went on this one. Yeah. See, yeah, I, I, I'm going to say... I'm going to see... It, I mean, if you just... I think I'm going to make a similar argument. Um, box office-wise, Chris Evans is, is the winner. Uh, him, Hemsworth just hasn't... Had broken out every every movie non-movie Marvel movie he's had just kind of fails, which is mm-hmm. a shame because I think he's a good actor. He just hasn't found the right vehicle yet. Cabin in the Woods. He wasn't the star of that. He's one of the stars of that. He he was like the th- what third or fourth to last to die. So that makes That's you not true. the star. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it did pretty uh, well, is what I'm arguing. <laughs> it did well. So do all his Marvel movies. But I mean. Uh, well, yeah, for movies. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Evans, because I think in the long run, like, when we're looking back 20 years from now, we're going to think Evans had more range. Mm. Yep. Yeah. No, it's I can see that. on their post-Marvel careers, I think. Yeah. So, so real fast, and I'll, uh, <clears throat> have you, did you hear the confirmation about, um, about Ragnarok? And this has me really excited as a Planet Hulk fan. Which confirmation? Um... The Warbound are, are involved. It's what? Korg and uh, it's Korg and um, uh, oh wow, I can't think of his name. The Bug Dude. 
none of that surprises me. I mean, I, it Marvel, makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, I, they want to do a Hulk movie so bad they just don't want to give Universal the satisfaction. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, no, God. no, we can't give we can't give anybody the power that we gave Ed Norton. It was a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah, the um, Marvel really needs to straighten out that licensing agreement with Universal for uh, the distribution rights because, yeah, it really sucks. I also yeah. I want a Namor movie, but that's a whole that's a whole other podcast. But we're getting a Namor movie. Jason Momoa is going to be great as the character. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I I love that he's uh, from all intents and purposes. It looks like he's basically the uh, brave and the bold Aquaman, and that makes me so happy. Except with the, he's not doing outrageous, but he's basically the brave and the bold Aquaman in live action, and that makes me so happy. We'll see how it goes. Alright, so for me, I go Chris Hemsworth on this one because I like an underdog. I really like Hemsworth. I feel like he, like other people have said, that he is a better actor than he's probably getting credit for. And if we go on this like the ginger versus Marianne question that it's <laughs> supposed to be, um, I just think that, you know, Chris Hemsworth is a more rugged, you know, kind of manly man. So, you know, I'd probably go with him. So. Oh, you just go head over heels for an accent. When he speaks Australian, sure, you're lost. Sure. <laughs> or or faux Shakespearean Norse. <laughs> Another! <laughs> He's a friend from work. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you know, I, I will say that the moment in um, Ragnarok when they showed him with the short hair, I felt something was... It, it didn't feel right. It feels missing. It just, it's not Thor now. Right. Right. No, I, I completely agree with you on that one. Hey, but. hey, we, we, we had to trade the hair for the helmet. Yeah. But <laughs> I have to say also when I saw Grandmaster as just like a blue stripe instead of blue skin, I also felt that something was missing there. Yeah, I'll give you that one. That, that one's nowhere near as important to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Goldblum is probably just like, I don't want blue paint all over my face. And they're like, well, you're Jeff Goldblum, so you get what you want. Hey, all we're missing at this point is the Beyonder. We basically have all the cosmic deities ready to roll at this point. <laughs> I don't know. We don't have the in-betweener. We don't have um, Lord Chaos or Master Order. We don't have Eternity or Infinity. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of them. Excuse me, we saw Eternity. Who's playing Eternity? No, we saw Eternity. When he goes into the microverse. An Ant-Man. An Ant-Man. Yeah, I've heard it. <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> we see but it. Either way, they haven't cast it, so yeah, they, we true. don't really have Eternity. <laughs> but anyway, unless okay. that's who, um, you know, um, oh crap, Game of Thrones guy, um, short guy, um, oh Tyrion, um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah he's, crap. He's, he's still not. Uh, Peter Dinklage is still not Thank confirmed you. as. Uh, yeah, as, yeah. Uh, we have no idea who that is, so it could be a voice role. We don't know. But anyway, we're getting way off in the weeds for five <laughs> questions here. So fourth question. <laughs> All right. You want to exercise? Do you go to the gym or work out at home? Um, I already do that. Uh, I work out at home. Uh, I do uh, uh, interval training at home, so just bodyweight stuff because mm-hmm. I don't like to pay for things. All right, Eric. Uh, I walk every single day to work so it's kind of a mini workout <laughs> no, so neither know. i guess I <laughs> but if you had to exercise and you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna concentrate on my body would you do it at home or would you go to the gym 
it's a mixture of being self-conscious and just like being paranoid about like getting a mean trainer i'd say probably stay at home all right ryan yeah i don't know who this gym fellow is you speak of Gaim? <laughs> what's a gaime yeah. oh a gaime but uh i mean there i i might be a little competitive and i still play pokemon go and you know i i my wife has a Fitbit, and so, anyways, I do have to get ten thousand steps a day, and I do have to hatch my eggs and so forth. So I, I do kind of I do outside. I don't know if that would be home or the gym, but you know, I, I that's what I do. I get my steps. We got a park right next door. I walk around there, you know, stuff like that. It's homeish. You're not going to a gym either way. <laughs> God no. <laughs> we have one right here in our complex. It's free. It's got great modern. It's got machines with TVs built into them. And oh, nice. I saw it when they showed us the complex. Hmm. And haven't seen it since. You know? <laughs> yeah, for me, uh, kind of similar to what Eric was saying. Um, paranoid, self-conscious. A long time ago, I invested in a decent weight set and a bench. It's like if I'm exercising, I'm going to do it at home. Um, so yeah, I, that's me. Also, I saved a lot of money in the long run from years of gym membership. So there you go. Yep. Thanks. All right. So final question: Better video game cartoon of the '80s and '90s, Captain N or the Super Mario Brothers Super Show? I never saw Captain N, so uh, me, it's really? the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Wow, interesting. Because Captain N ran way longer, so I would have felt that would have been the easier one to see. But okay, Eric. <laughs> As a wrestling fan, I'd probably be crucified if I didn't answer the one with Captain Lou Albino. <laughs> so, Mario, definitely. Okay. Ryan? Yeah. yeah, I feel the name Captain N is familiar, but nothing's coming to mind. So, He's the dude if I watched the, it... Um, the dude with the basically Letterman jacket and the... Um, yeah, the, the controller on his belt with the holster with the zapper. Yeah, I'm Googling it right now, looking at images, and I'm looking at it going... I think I've seen this, but I, not, it's, nothing's coming up. So I, I oh wait, is that a villain? Uh, no, no. Mother yeah, Brain was the main up. villain. Sorry. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. So yeah. Wow. Okay, that's totally not the way I thought this was going. Because I always found the Super Mario Brothers Super Show to be really, really childish and kind of dumbed down. Oh, it's super. Yeah. Whereas Captain N was like, he could go to any Nintendo game, so it was already broader that way, but like the characters were, you know, a little bit at a higher level there. I loved having the team up of Kid Icarus, Mega Man, Simon Belmont, all of that, and whatever guests they pulled in, and, you know, it was it was fun. It was like, if you had a Nintendo, this was the show you wanted to watch, because like, every game that you played, they would visit that world, you know, and they would get involved in the storyline and everything, so, yeah, Captain N for me. It does ring it, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, and also, of course, I knew that if Captain N was real, that the Ultimate Warp Zone would have chosen me as the greatest Nintendo <gasps> player of all time. So, you know, <laughs> so there's kind of that wish fulfillment part of it too. So, anyway, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> all right, that's another five questions successfully completed. Yay. <laughs> I think we lost James. <laughs> Uh, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's been replaced with Eeyore. Right. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, 
Uh, before we jump into our topic, let's take a short break for a promo for another fine podcast. There's a fair chance you don't like the news, and I get that. I'm Buzz Burbank, and I do a different kind of newscast I think you will like. I tell stories, true stories, because when you view it the right way, there's nothing more amazing than real life. I cover most of the stuff the big media outlets cover, but often with a different approach, richer in detail, and with a perspective that ties it all together so we have some idea of what it all means. I deliver stories that will make you laugh, make you cry, and make you angry, because that is the nature of life, and because you cannot be a better citizen unless you understand and feel the news. I also don't cover some of the useless stories you'll find elsewhere and do cover real stories the rest of the media somehow managed to avoid. With my nearly 40 years experience in broadcast journalism and a love of writing, this is a news program that's custom made for you. Buzz Burbank News and Comment is now a weekly show, new each Thursday and available free on iTunes, SoundCloud and several other platforms and at buzzburbank.com. In addition to the other shows you enjoy here on the ESO Broadcast Network, thank you for adding me to your playlist as well. My name is Damien Dark. In 2016, I was murdered by the Green Arrow, but I was removed from the timeline 31 years before my death by a speedster from the future named Eobard Thawne. Together with Malcolm Merlin, the former head of the League of Assassins, the three of us are going to locate the Spear of Destiny. A mystical object which can rewrite reality itself. With the spear in our possession, we will change our past and our future and the world as you know it. All right, and we're back. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about Legends of Tomorrow, which ended, I want to say, in the first week of April. And especially because it kind of got the short end of the stick when we did our massive episode on all four of the Berlanti shows. I kind of wanted to circle back and revisit Legends because we didn't really get to talk about it all that much. So just sort of to start out... Because, James and Eric, you weren't on that episode and we talked about all four shows. Just talking about the first half of the season, what were your thoughts for how this season stat was stacking up against the first season? So let's go Eric first, then James. Who knew you needed an awesome archaeologist and a uh, and just overall fun writing to improve a show? Oh wait, <laughs> we all knew that, minus the archaeologist part. <laughs> <laughs> so... You were you were pretty positive about the show. Oh yeah, I mean there are there are hiccups here and there throughout the show, but mm-hmm. it it landed solidly, especially with that ending. And like I said, the addition of of Nate did nothing but improve upon everything we could have possibly needed. We got a we got a crew of bad guys. We had an we had an awesome cast. We had some great guest stars some fun writing and just overall the show really started to embrace everything it needed to embrace. And I, I, it's my, it's my favorite of the Berlanti shows now. Okay. Uh, James. Yeah. I mean, in compare, like even just the first half of that season was like, it as, I mean, I mean, he hit it on the head. Like, <laughs> it's hard for me to say much past that. Like, I mean, it was. It was, like, such a huge improvement in writing, um, mm-hmm. making a change to, like, the dynamic. I mean, the fact that, you know, we got we got rid of the mess that was Rip Hunter yes. and whatever weird <laughs> journey he was taking them on. 
you know, for somebody who who had like solid leadership skills, uh, that that was able to step up to the plate and like make hard choices, like that was such a welcome thing into the series. It's something it needed to give it an actual direction to go in. Um, I mean, as I said, I mean, there's there's definitely like some things here and there that it's kind of like. Uh, that's like a weird plot choice or I don't mm-hmm. know why they went with that dynamic in narration, but okay. Uh, but I mean, it's, it again, it's, it's bounds of improvement beyond the first season. The first season, by the end of that season, like I was sold. I was like, if they don't, if there's not anything good in season two within the first few episodes of this, I'm out. I'm, I'm just done. Yeah. And I was really pleasantly surprised and was able to watch the full season through. Yeah, but what did I say before about setting the bar low? Because, you know, that first season of Legends, you are setting the, you're setting it at DC movie level. Uh, you know, it's true. There. It's true. Because, yeah, that first season was painful. I mean, I was just watching it because I was a fan of the other Berlanti shows. If mm-hmm. I wasn't watching those, I wouldn't be watching Legends of Tomorrow. And it was just because I was, I was waiting to see, will any of this tie in? <laughs> that was the only reason I'm watching it. I mean, well, uh, to be fair, I-, I love Wentworth Miller as Captain Cold, so that was the other <sighs> reason. <laughs> Ryan Ryan threw down his gauntlet, but um, we'll ignore that for a moment. But I I do love Wentworth Miller as Captain Cold, and so I was kind of watching it for him. But uh, then they kill him off, too, and then, yeah, I was going to second season a little leery, you know, because without him, I was like, well, gee, they just took away the one thing I liked about the show. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I I think it's definitely a head-and-shoulders improvement over that season. So, um, so just talking about uh, things, uh, am I the only one that is getting sick of the uh, Rip Hunter, uh, I'm back, I'm gone, I'm back, I'm gone? Yeah, I could do with that. Yeah, because that was the weird thing. It was like, okay, you bring him back as a villain. And that worked really well. You know, I liked Evil Rip. I was like, this is, a, this is beautiful. You know, if you have him as a villain that just shows up every once in a while, that will work really well. And then they fixed him, and it was like, okay. And then it was him trying to figure out where he fits in at the team and everything. And you find out that he really likes his ship quite a bit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that he and Sarah kind of worked out, you know, their dynamic and everything. Then it's kind of like, oh, this stuff happens, and oh, guess what? I'm gone again. And I don't know what they're doing with that character, and they're saying he's going to be back in season three, and it's like, stop! <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's such, it's so bipolar with him, because it's, because mm-hmm. as I said, like, I agree, like, making Rip the Hunter, like, I liked Rip as as a villain so mm-hmm. much more than I liked him as a hero, and and I don't know, like, it just it felt so stilted and awkward like even like just the uh, not so much i guess with the writing but even just the way the character like interacts with the team once he comes back because he's just like i don't i don't really know where i fit in and then we get like the corniest of corny lines that they wrote for that like oh you're an outcast and a misfit and you don't know where you fit it sounds like you're a legend and i was like oh god stop why why did somebody write that um but yeah i was just like i i I don't know if they just got rid of rip hunter that's the thing i like the actor but i hate this character and i'm like if you guys just got rid of him i think we'd all survive just fine Yeah, he was written better as a villain, too, because he's even, like, history is, like, pain and death, and watching your child die in your arms, he's, like, you know, basically, like, uh, I owe history nothing and all that kind of stuff. It was, like, that was great! That was, like, the best dialogue Rip's ever had! Don't get rid of that! (laughs) 
Well, that's, you know, James, you know, nailed it there. Arthur Darville is a good actor. And mm-hmm. that's half of the reason he's still on the show. The other half in, is that he's got a cult father following among Whovians. Mm-hmm. He is beloved among them, myself included. I will never look at him and not see Rory. And so that that's what it is. They want to do something with him so desperately, they just can't find what works, except making him a villain. Which, yeah, I mean... It, they they need to do they need to find what works for him. He doesn't have any power. The only thing that made him useful is that he knew the ship, and now they don't even need him for that. So right. do something. Something else I really loved about the season was um, the guest stars, both comic book and historical, were mm-hmm. pretty freaking great this season. From George from George Lucas to J.R.R. Tolkien to Jonah Hex returning to just all this fun stuff. I mean, one of the one of the downsides being the the JSA as weird as it was, but um, downside and a positive side because we don't get much Doctor Midnight and that kind of stuff. But overall, I thought a lot of the uh, guest cast was fantastic. No, I'll agree with that. I mean, uh, definitely that George Lucas episode was a love letter to the fans. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I I'm it, it's going to tinge a little bit on some character stuff that I want to talk about, so I'm going to not talk about that one too much, but totally agreed. I mean, Jonah Hex also, that actor who is playing him, is nailing it. Right. That was my favorite episode of the first season, was the one where they meet Jonah uh, in the Old West, and the follow-up this season was pretty good as well, and yeah, I, I like that they're bringing in more characters from the DC Universe, and even playing around with time a little bit, because they can't have the, the actress who plays Vixen in the present day, so they invented you know, a previous Vixen, you know, to have on the team, and I think that works really well, too. So, uh, I like what they're doing. I agree, but only insofar as you have to turn your brain off for it to work. I'm only going to say this because you mentioned playing with time, so I feel like that's yeah. an opening. Um, but it, it's kind of like how, okay, taking George Lucas out of the timeline changes everyone's life, but you know, doing stuff to George Washington doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, the inconsistency... Okay, let me tell you my, my favorite inconsistency <laughs> is that when their other selves from, you know, a day in the future or whatever come on the Wave Rider and they create a time storm, it's like, wait a minute, in the first season, they all had their previous selves on the ship with them when they were trying to save them from that hunter, and there were no problems with the Wave Rider. There weren't any temporal <laughs> storms or time quakes or whatever they called it, you know, and it's... If- I was just going to say that if having, you know, other t- temporal versions of yourself around really create a problem, Central City would be a giant crater. Well, that's true, too. But it, that is what that remains one of my problems with the Flash and Legends of Tomorrow is the inconsistency in how they write time travel. It's like every time they touch on it, it's a different version or it works differently. And they even hired a new like guy to work at the Berlanti offices that was supposed to make all this stuff consistent. They even talked about it like, yeah, we're, we're, we've created a new role here to make all the different Berlanti shows consistent and work, you know... Uh, have it all you know work out with each other and it's like that's not working because it still doesn't make any sense but uh i finally remember what i was going to say about rip which (laughs) which is my biggest problem with rip is that with them having eradicated savage in three different time periods he shouldn't even exist after 1950 which means his family is alive 
So every time he brings up my family is dead, boo-hoo, I'm like, have you gone back to, you know, your own time? Have you checked? Because I'm pretty sure they're still there. And to me, that's also a big like plot flaw with the series because I thought that was going to be Rip's endgame is like, hey, you know what? We fought the good fight, but I'm going to go retire and be with my family. And Ooh, uh, I can... they haven't even covered it. I can explain that. I can explain that. Okay. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Well, but maybe it's the same thing as with Eobard. There, Rip, is, his family is alive, and he is with them, and he is not. He is also on the Wave Rider. Uh, you know, it might very well be that time is going to catch up with the, the Rip on the Wave Rider. Well, fair enough, but at least then they should cover that in some sort of line of dialogue in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're talking. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like I'm gonna, I'm ragging on the show, and I am, <laughs> but I still enjoy it. But we are talking about. I mean, it's like how every time the wave crashes, it crashes on Earth. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's I don't know. Well, the Wave Rider, it doesn't seem to work the same way as, like, even though it can go in space, it seems like when you travel in time, you pretty much stay geographically about where you were. But, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Alright, so, <laughs> let's, let's move on to characters here, because um, uh, Eric brought up his feelings about Nate. Got James, what are, your, what, what are your thoughts on Nate? So, he grew on me. Like, hmm. right away... I wasn't necessarily a fan of Nate. And he's had a couple of like moments where I'm like, dude, you're being a little too whiny. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, uh, the character did grow on me very much, especially like m- I myself am like g- I- I'm a bit of a history nerd. Um, like that's what I initially went to college for was like uh, history and teaching secondary education. So mm-hmm. it did like I-, I resonated pretty well with him. Um, I did like the fact that like bringing this, ca- this particular type of character on board Again, it replaced so many things, right? Like, I mean, yes, we added extra characters um, or extra functions of characters to um, fill the holes for what Rip did. And I felt like he filled that role of just knowledge, like knowing history, mm-hmm. um, knowing very fine details of it and things like that. Or even things, uh, you know, uh, that wouldn't be something taught in like an American history book, you know, because he studied things. Um, I thought that was all like really, really well integrated. Um, I liked his storyline as far as like, um, you know, his, you know, with his grandfather um, and his father and like kind of the weird like broke almost like a little bit of broken family uh that's kind of there because of uh, of things that were kind of out of control and um i really like that dynamic i loved his so to speak origin story of like becoming a hero you know initially like it was trying to figure out like is he anything more than just our historian on board um and and you know he grew into that you know obviously through serum and things but <laughs> um i i did like him very much he grew he grew on me uh for sure by the end of the series and and i'm excited to see what else they continue to do with him ryan yeah i, I echo a lot of that i didn't care for him at first but then to be fair i i thought they wrote off the hawks too soon they should have done more with them and so it just uh, he, he felt no. like no. Yes. No. Yes. Not, yes. Unless they were going to get a recast. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a recast was needed. They just needed to write them differently. They, they, ugh, I couldn't stand what they were doing with them. Well, we can circle back to that if you want, but that's rehashing <laughs> season one. But right. regarding Nate, yeah, same thing. He grew on me. I mean, the first couple of episodes, I was like, eh. But then they had a really cool, you know, story to to give him his abilities, and <laughs> I love the bromance between him and Ray. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in a lot of ways, 
I, well, I wouldn't say he ended up being my favorite character. He ended up being, yeah, one of them. He ended up being someone I, I actually got to the point where I enjoyed him more than Sarah or a couple of the others, or definitely more than um, Jackson. So, yeah. Hmm. It's going to be kind of an odd point of view for me since his name is Nate. Uh, but I didn't particularly care for him that much. Um, I do agree that the idea of a historian on the ship was good. I feel like he's kind of an awful historian. <laughs> Which is true in most science fiction shows where they have a historian or whatever. They're not really like a real historian. Um, the only episode where I was really happy was the King Arthur one. Where he kept on pointing out all the inconsistencies <laughs> with everything. Yeah. And I was like, yes! Yes! <laughs> they wouldn't talk like that. They wouldn't dress like that. Yes, thank you. But like, uh, the feudal Japan one didn't convince you of his authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing is that, and and we'll get into this more with Firestorm too. The fact that whenever he turns into steel, it's always like for like three seconds, and then he turns back. When it's like you're still in danger, why don't you just stay in your steel form? You know, and <laughs> I feel like they're wasting character potential like they do with Firestorm because of, but and I get this for budget reasons, but it still annoys me that you have a character with these powers that isn't really using them. Also, since he chose Indiana Jones over Star Wars, he's clearly uh, <laughs> mentally insane and uh, <laughs> needs some help. Uh, <laughs> No, I did love the George Lucas one. I uh, but and I did like the rifle with Ray, and he did grow on me over time. But especially like with the whole like Amaya thing and everything else too, I felt like again, yeah, he got whiny. He got you know, oh, let's care about our feelings instead of history and all that kind of stuff. I just uh, he just kind of left me with the skeezy feeling. I, I I never really really took to him all that well. Oh Christ, Amaya! Can we all agree, if not worse character? of the season definitely the most inconsistent from a writing standpoint well it's the same problem that hot girl fell into where she doesn't exist outside of the relationships she has with the with the men in the show yeah but at least hot girl wasn't telling everybody every two seconds that they weren't a hero hmm. i guess we literally heard that 70 percent of the time she was on the show she'd be telling someone they were the worst or they were terrible or they couldn't live up to being a hero and it's just like who are you to judge these people? I don't know. Yeah, I think it. that she was pretty yeah. accurate. <laughs> <laughs> they're not very good people, and they're not very heroic. They're legends. <laughs> Damn it. <That's> right. <laughs> oh, man. Whether or not it's that, that was a true statement, though, you don't need right. to hear that in every single episode. Yep. And it doesn't need to be a story standpoint in every single episode, at least in the first half. It's just like, okay, we get it, Amaya. You're you're the savior. You're the wonderful best hero ever. Yeah, I, I felt like the romance with her and Nate felt very forced. Yeah, also. Extreme. Whereas I felt like her and Mick actually was a more interesting dynamic. And you could tell that the writers in the first half of the season were toying with both of those. And I think that they chose the wrong one. Because I would have liked to have seen Mick with Amaya. That would have been a far more fun combination, I think. Uh, it would have been fun, yeah. But uh, I love Mick. He's one of my favorites. But mm. I, I will admit that if Amaya went for him, what little respect I have for her would probably catch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's got all the animal instincts, right? Yeah, you know. True. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, the thing with Mick, though is and i might be alone in my in my thinking here 
is he's he's always seen like the way he's he's written is like obviously there's interest in romance in general but not in like a traditional sense he mostly seems not asexual but you know what i mean like he just seems like the kind of guy who would uh would go into the brothel or the strip club for like the half hour or whatever then just be done yeah, with not it seeking like, a yeah not seeking a long-term relationship yeah yeah no, love them and yeah. leave them yeah right except yeah, no, the I, love them part <laughs> well, except Nick is changing as a character, though, so I'm not sure, because, I mean, he's already very different from season two. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, season one. Yeah. Moving him out of Snart's shadow was the best thing that happened to the character. Mm-hmm. Not sure. Also, not- probably one of the weakest points of the whole season is the, the fact that all they needed to do was trust Nick, and that yeah. wouldn't have happened at the end. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Well, uh, I'll circle back to that one. But James, we've been talking a lot. Did you have any thoughts on Amaya that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like for sure. I definitely think she she's definitely the the weakest written character. As said, I think I, I do agree that like the romance story between her and Nate, it did. It felt like it felt awkward and forced. Um, mm-hmm. Very much like for me, like season one, like the romance between. The Atom um, and Hot Girl, just again, like there were moments it didn't feel natural at all. And I, I guess mm-hmm. it just goes to show like the writers haven't quite figured out how to make apparently romance work. Um, like they've had moments where there's been something intriguing or something exciting. Like they've done that with Sarah where uh, like when she met the nurse when they were in the like 1940s or whatever, like it was interesting, but like it never got fully pursued or anything. And I was kind of a, like, I was okay with it. I was just glad that they made something interesting out of it. And just, I think on a romance scale, they just haven't really succeeded in making anything interesting with the series. They've really succeeded with just kind of making it something that's like, in the way of whatever the story plot is or awkward. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I like her as far as just a hero in terms of her capacity and powers. But yeah, I mean, I'm more, (laughs) I'm more interested in, I guess, uh, potentially what they're going to do with her uh, down the road. They've obviously set some things up that uh, may or may not affect her timeline um so i'm kind of interested you know where they're going to take that what that's going to do um because the 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 modern version um her granddaughter um that you know has made a couple of appearances in some of the other shows um i really like the actress that they got for her. i thought it was you know she was pretty good so it, it'd be interesting to see what they're going to do with that but yeah I, de- I definitely agree that i think she's she is for sure like the weakest written character in this season for me I will say from the romance angle, to me, they still haven't beaten uh, Captain Canary, which is my ship that, you know, I will ship till the day I die now. (laughs) I love that, yeah. That was a good season. Well, it it was understated, it was subtle, but I think it really worked, you know, and I really liked how they were getting close together. It's another reason why I hate that Snart died, but, you know, that's... I'm a hopeless ranting. But anyway... All right, so... (laughs) But, uh, yeah, getting back to the, uh, the main characters, the characters that we've kept from the, uh, from the first season, other than Rip, I think it's been pretty much across the board improvement this season, yeah. um, as far as where they've been going, 
I think Sarah as captain gives her something to do than to just be the angry person. You know, where before it was just like, oh, crazy berserker chick, you know, uh, and, and that's pretty much how they used her. And now with like the way to, I mean, they've pretty much forgotten the whole like berserker angry side and have made her a far more competent commander than Rip ever was. Um, which is refreshing to have on the show. Uh, Mick has taken on a lot of that snart role. Ray, they've kind of finally figured out what to do with him, where I felt like he used to be awkward on Arrow in the first season of Legends, and now they sort of turned him into this sort of, like, bumbling boob, which, you know, you would think is insulting and doesn't, you know, and would be awful, but it's like, he's a much more likable guy now, that he's just always this sort of smiling, sort of like, hey guys, you know, and uh, even, like, like the one where they're on the dinosaur uh, time uh, period, <laughs> and, uh, you know, even though I thought it was ridiculous that he didn't go out and his Adam suit and he and Firestorm didn't recover that array or whatever and bring it back. You know, but just the way that he acts and everything. He's kind of like this sort of half-crazy, eccentric guy now, and uh, it kind of works, you know. And Jefferson is probably the most underutilized yes. character, but at least he has a clear role. Whereas before, he was just sort of the other half of Firestorm, and now at least he's like the engineer on the ship. So that gives him something that's, you know, real and necessary. And Stein having to go through the whole thing with his daughter and dealing with the unintended consequences of changing time in a very personal way, uh, but not in, like, the usual sort of back-to-the-future way where it's like you're undoing your own existence or anything. It's like an unintended consequence that actually creates something good, but then having to worry about what might happen with that. And I felt like that's given Stein, like, some character stuff to deal with. So. I think it's been pretty positive overall. Uh, would you guys agree with that? Best addition to the Berlantiverse this year, easily, or this this season of all four shows, is definitely Stein's daughter, easily. Yeah. No, I really I like her. I love her. She's awesome. Character-wise, yeah, they, this season is uh, most improved of, of any of the shows. I wouldn't call Ray so much a bumbling boob as as a Boy Scout. I, I think he probably couldn't curse if his life depended on it. Um, <laughs> and I think they did good with him uh, when when they when he had to discover that he was a hero without his suit. Yeah, the Japanese one I thought was one of the best ones for Ray, where he had yeah. to you know sort of deal with you know doing heroic things without the suit. In fact, I was hoping they were going to make Ray a meta. And just not give him back the suit, you know, like once the suit was destroyed and, and just make it, well, Ray, you know, um, probably would have blown the budget. Yeah. <laughs> Nate will take care of the super strength stuff and Ray can just shrink now. And I thought that would have been a good dynamic because now we have two super strong characters, which I don't really think is necessary, but you know, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, it, it seems like they're... It seems like um, Stein and Jackson are doing Firestorm far less this season, though. And that yep. is one that annoys me. Um, because I get that the CW isn't uh, doesn't have as much money to spend as the Big Three networks, but come on, guys. If you're going to have Firestorm, give me Firestorm. Or do it in a way... I mean, if it's a budget thing, then just redo the concept i mean i would be fine with firestorm without his head on fire yeah mm -hmm. if that'll save you enough to have him in more scenes go that way just it it doesn't need to be because even at that because even when they do do the effects 
it doesn't look that great. <laughs> I, yeah. it, it, seeing him fly around with just fire coming out of his arms, it, it looks awkward even even when they do do it. So I would just rather they just revisited the firestorm concept in such a way to make it look good on screen cheaper. That should definitely be doable. Sometimes less is more. Yeah, I'd agree with that. James, do you have any thoughts on the main cast? Yeah, I mean, I, I, a lot of mutual agreement. I mean, I, I think there's so much improvement that they've done. I can't say that, like, for me, like, Ray is is a character that I've always, like, really liked, even when he was in other series, like, versus this. Mm-hmm. I like different concepts that they've done with him, but overall, I don't think I follow... I, I just don't think I follow the character very well for myself, but the other characters, though, yeah, no, I feel like, uh, as, as said, like, putting sarah to that role uh really fit and i like the fact that they keep her in the role too like it's mm-hmm. like we had that that the the ending of the season and and that's just like that's her title in place um and and i really like that um there's not like any weird dynamic shift i felt like they definitely uh did a good evolution of like those who have been there the longest like uh definitely like it's noticeable like they they have a much stronger bond mm-hmm with each other than they did with like the new cast coming in and everything. But, you know, obviously it seems like that that's grown pretty well. Um, I did, as said, I liked a lot of those dynamics with Martin. Um, I love Martin's daughter. Like I love this girl who is, is she, I mean, she's her father's daughter in like every Mm -hmm. way, shape and form. And it's, and they just did it in such an interesting way in, in which they wrote that like, you know, previously, like Martin didn't really have, like, he never had time for a family because of his career and Mm. and everything like that. And so the fact that he has found this love and she just happens to be just like him is just awesome. Um, It's, you know, truly like a father daughter bonding thing that we get to see on screen. And I think both actors really carry it through very, very well. I I agree. Like I, uh, you know, with, like, again, like Jefferson having an actual role as opposed to like, I'm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yay! I'm the guy that Stein roofies. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, I, uh, like, overall, I didn't have anything, I didn't have anything really negative that they did with any of the characters. Like, again, there's there's some very minor tweaks, I think. Um, they could have done just a little more to, like, give some, some further edge to some of the characters. Um, mm-hmm. Just a little honing around some of the edges of the new dynamics that they've created. But I think we'll hopefully get to see more of that um, following into, hopefully, Season 3. I do, I would just say real quick, I thought it was a nice touch. It showed how well they've come to understand the individual characters when they had Sarah think that she wasn't worthy to hold the spear. Yeah. I think that's something they would have forgotten about, not even bothered with last season. Yeah, I felt like thematically, you know, when they went back to that same day to try to fix the thing with the spear, it should have had something to do with them not trusting Mick and and instead changing things so they do trust Mick. But yeah, I mean, with how they ultimately went with it, it made complete sense from a character standpoint that Sarah should be the one that did it. And because Sarah had the greatest temptation also going into it. And I thought that scene with her and Katie Cassidy was really touching. Uh, Yeah you felt like they were sisters. And for everyone who says Katie Cassidy can't act, go watch that scene. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of your Katie Cassidy hate. <laughs> that, that is never the complaint that I saw about Sarah. And I'm not being... I mean, about... Uh, Laurel. About, uh, Laurel. Oh, oh, I've definitely seen... 
no, I, the, the, she doesn't have any chemistry with the rest of the cast. She's not a good actress. Blah blah blah. I hear it all the time. So, you know. <laughs> anyway. Oh no, I'm re- I'm not being sarcastic when I say that was never the complaint that I saw connected to Laurel. No, I know. I'm just saying I see it all the time. So. <laughs> yeah, so I, I actually like Katie Cassidy quite a bit as as Laurel. Yeah, great. Uh, anyway, and so what about the villains this season? So awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you guys speak before I jump in with mine this time. Um, you know, we got the three main Legion of Doom members, and then, of course, we got Wentworth Miller coming back as Snart, Brian Groan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Wentworth Miller, but um, I felt only like for a couple Cold was definitely wasted. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. When they said, like, he was signed to this contract that he was going to be on all the different Berlanti shows, I was like, great, we're going to have more, you know, snart than we've had ever. And it was just like, oh, no, we mean, like, three episodes of Legends of Tomorrow, and he's going to be on the last two episodes of The Flash this season. Yeah, I'm, I can't be the only one curious about that, right? And obviously we can't, we won't talk about it that much, but I'm really curious because it sounds more and more like it's the it's the version of Captain Cold that you know we last saw blowing up. So I'm really, really curious what that means. Yeah, that is my hope. But yeah, and that is in fact one of the things that annoyed me about this season of Legends was that we didn't find a way to save Snart. It's like they forgot about. Him. It, well, I, I well, and if it turns out that they already planned on having him on the Flash and that he gets saved in the Flash, then that works okay. But at least just looking at Legends, I felt like the one thing that we were going to do with the spear is okay. You know, we leave everything the same, but we fix that Snart died. <laughs> <laughs> then I would have been okay with it. But that would have been no different than using it to bring Laurel back. It didn't it didn't even need to be the spear though. You know, because my first theory was that when the reverse flash gets him, he's going to grab him from just, you know, a fraction of a second before he blew up. Yeah, yeah. Which would have worked fine. But yeah, okay, so we have our our Legion of Doom, and, you know, what, uh, so Eric was just talking about how he felt about it. What about you, Ryan? Well, again, it's coming from Vandal Savage, what, that travesty that was Vandal Savage, (laughs) it, it, it was night and day first off i think using already existing villains from other shows was a stroke of genius Mm -hmm. Uh, we we and using them in such a way so that we already had a history with them this wasn't a reverse flash before season one of flash this was a reverse flash after season one of flash you know so so in a way every time i saw him in the back of my head i was going you know, that's Wells, that's Wells, that's Wells. And the same thing with Merlin. Every time you saw him, you you, you were thinking, this is Thea's father. Now, they didn't do that with Damien. They pulled him out before mm-hmm. Arrow, but he, was, he had the least history of any of them, so that didn't really matter. But I felt like, honestly, the Legion of Doom, I think they stole the show. Mm-hmm. The, every episode they were in, and oh my god, that the Legion of Doom episode was probably the best of the season. Uh, but their chemistry was on, their humor was on, their their action was on. So I would watch. If I if I had to pick and choose between Legends of Tomorrow or Legion of Doom show, I would hesitate. I might actually go Legion of Doom. That's how much I enjoyed them. Yeah, I, I have to say my one disappointment from the season was that with how they left things, it's unlikely we're going to have a Legion moving forward, and I was hoping that the, the Legion of Doom would become a team that evolved over time with a rotating membership, much like 
yeah. the legends have kind of had so that we could have you know a, a new legion of doom every once in a while i mean they still could do that but with the surviving characters memories erased and reverse flash erased from existence yeah uh, i i don't think we're gonna get that but yeah i i i thought they were a lot of fun but uh james uh, well, we don't know for sure Malcolm was. We know Snart and Dark's memories were erased, but I guess I don't we don't think know it sure. was because the way he's talked about, you know, when he's going to show up in the last couple episodes of Arrow, it seems like his memory wasn't erased. Oh, I could you know more than I do. All right. <laughs> well, apparently, yeah. apparently, he's commented on the fact that I guess he's not going to be involved in the Berlantiverse as of next season. So mm. I don't know what that for the last couple episodes at Arrow, but it'll be interesting. Yeah. I did, I remember they made a point of saying Snart's memory was erased. So, but yeah, they didn't, I don't think they, I don't know about Merlin. I just kind of assumed, yeah, but I don't sh- think they made a direct Right, and they like showed, that. Sarah used the same flashy thingy on Dark. It was basically Men in Black. I mean, yeah. they just did the flashy <laughs> thingy, so. <laughs> um, James, what were your thoughts on the Legion? Um, man, I loved them. Um... For me, it was it was such a huge improvement for Damian Dark uh, because mm-hmm. I found Damian Dark in the Arrowverse was really underwhelming. Like yeah. he like because for me, I was just like, like there was this buildup, um, you know, in previous seasons, uh, you know, with him being essentially the the second um, to Ra's al Ghul, but they both had different ideals, and Damian went to go and do his own thing, kind of mm-hmm. thing. So it made it made him sound like this like super sinister, you know, really dark individual. And then when they presented him in Arrow, I just, I mean, I got he was intellectual, but I never, I don't know, the way they wrote him, I never felt like he was the most sinister thing to come across the screen for the Arrowverse. Mm. Um, and I felt like what they did with him for the Legion of Doom was so much better um we got to see that that intelligence that uh you know that cruelty like he he can be a very cold calculated person you know he doesn't always think about the big picture um is is one of you know is is a lot of the way they they created that dynamic of like there might not be something he sees but then you know malcolm brings point of fact to him and says hey listen i don't think you're thinking about this and it just made all of these villains like bounce really well off of each other i felt like the actors really just fed each other as far as um you know their reactions um how they interacted with uh, the plan you know the audacity of like when things didn't go right and you know one of you know it was almost always like one of them was just like now gentlemen hold on hold on Mm -hmm. you're you're overthinking this um so it was just it was really awesome to see that interaction i really like thon um i like the guy they got to play him like he's Mm -hmm. just he's such a good speedster bad guy um and and just uh i liked what they you know i always like malcolm like i i I always enjoy seeing malcolm on the screen mostly because i'm a fan of the actor himself but Mm -hmm. he he's consistent like i've never felt like in any series he's shown up in um he hasn't just felt like the skeeziest biggest dickhead on the planet to like (laughs) everybody else so i i just i loved the whole dynamic like i felt like they actually presented a like an actual threat um and even though there were less of them they were still incredibly uh powerful and competitive to the rest of the legends like they were a force to be reckoned with at all times oh yeah i mean merlin and dark didn't have any powers but they were able to outsmart thong yeah and and 
I think they did a great job of fleshing out these villains so that they were different. I mean, they actually had Merlin being the voice of restraint, being, we don't have to kill everyone. We don't need to kill this person. We, torture's mm. not the way. You know? right. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, suddenly I kind of like Merlin more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I really like uh, Thawne. I think they did a really great job of playing smugness because you know he thinks he's so much smarter than everyone else. And they they got all the different character traits in there. But the thing I was asking since day one was, why in the world does Thawne need these other guys? And it was beautiful in the episode that focused on the Legion, you know, coming to the realization that, you know, he's running from the Black Flash. Yeah. Because of that, he needs these guys to do things because he's constantly trying to run away from this thing and can't stay anywhere for long. And uh, having them show their worth to him... Uh, by being able to outsmart the Black Flash and everything else worked, you know, incredibly well for showing, you know, because that's the usual question we see villain team-ups is why are these guys that are constantly trying to backstab each other going to work together? And it's, you know, Thawne is offering them a chance at the spear in return for them helping him. And so they answered that question. But the one thing that I thought was really weird, though, is why he picked Dark from a time period when he didn't have magic. Yeah. You know, because to me it's like, wouldn't you want the mo you know the more powered version of him uh to to use so i i did feel like that was a little strange uh with you know how they went with that but you know that's a minor quibble magic. no he didn't oh okay he didn't have any ma it, it, only after they altered reality he said the first thing i did after you know we altered reality is gave myself magic maybe maybe thon didn't want him to have magic because I, you know, now I'm trying to think. Has I don't think the Flash has ever done magic. Maybe speedsters are particularly vulnerable to magic. Yeah. Could be Superman is. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Uh, the other thing is, you know, you brought up a point, Ryan, that did bug me because this Thawne was supposed to be the Thawne that the Flash stopped from killing his mother and locked up in Flashpoint, yet. He then later in the series is talking about things that he would have only known if he was post-Wells Thawne. Yeah. But the post-Wells Thawne disappeared when Eddie shot himself. So <laughs> that was another one of those inconsistencies that bothered me about the show. Because he shouldn't have known who Caitlin and Cisco were and talked about working with them. And for that matter, he if if he if he is the post Wells Thon, then he should have been you know he knows Wit Ray too, and should have been like you remember we used to work together, and he didn't say that either. So I don't know. It was and again, it feels like the writers. It's like the writers for Legends weren't the same writers on the Flash and didn't bother to watch those episodes or something because it's doesn't quite match up. What, people it's... in D.C. not talking to each other about continuity, <laughs> consistency? That never happens. Uh, you know, they you don't... Speak madness. <laughs> but to be fair, they don't have to not talk amongst themselves to not be con continuous. I mean, with within Flash, if you think about it, how many berries and how many thorns are in that living room now? There are, That's I, true. <laughs> I think we're on six now. Yeah. Yeah. Four? <laughs> exactly. I think you know. four. Yeah. Last time I counted, I think I stopped at four. Yeah. So, I, but I, you're right. Now that, that you mention it, Nathan, that originally they established that he was the thong that uh, Barry was holding prisoner, mm -hmm. and then he suddenly he was the Wells one. So, I, yeah, that. Well, damn it! You just took something away from the show for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, see, the reason that I bring those things up, though, is because they bother me when I'm watching the show. And it's like, wait a minute, that doesn't work. So, um, you know, and I feel like that's one of the problems is is that, yeah, they they got all the characters in a better place this season. But the, as far as, like, their handle of just making anything rational come out of time travel, I don't think these writers know what they're doing with, with that kind of a plot line. And it's, it's a problem when your whole show revolves around time travel. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is, I think it's, I think it's a fair point to make. Even though I do like the show, and I don't want to sound like I'm racking <laughs> on it all the time. <laughs> we, we pick out of love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, did you guys have a favorite episode this season? Oh, I, I think I might have already said it. It was the Legion of Doom-focused episode. Mm. Without a doubt. Yeah. That, and if I had to pick a second, it would be when they went back uh, to prehistoric times and Ray got to reunite with... Oh, I can't remember the dinosaur's name. But, um, was it Gertrude? Something like that. It was I, can't, like yeah, I think weird... it was like Gertrude. Gertrude. <laughs> yeah, something like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I found this season, yeah, in Arrow and in season one, Ray was... I could give or take him, but I just enjoyed him a lot more this season. Yeah, he's certainly a more fun character now, even though for that dinosaur one, I still feel like he should have just put on the Adam suit, and he and Firestorm could have gotten that thing and brought it back to the ship in like five seconds it was, again, instead of them trekking through the wild. Well, you're talking about the same team. For all the credit we give Sarah as captain, like half the time she'll say, Stein, you stay here. You know, Jefferson, you go. You know? <laughs> Why would you ever separate those two? <laughs> oh, although for like just sheer fun moments, I love the one where Ray has like the super EMP and like they try to do the uh, the firestorm thing and it's like ah, you know, <laughs> it's like nothing happens. And I just thought that, that was fun, because even though it was another ch- time for firestorm to be stymied at least that point it wasn't because the writing was bad and they were separated they they really did try to do it but uh james how about you did you have a favorite episode um you know if i had if i had to pick one i don't know it's it's kind of it's it's not even like one is for sure an episode it was the outlaw country episode where they go back Mm. um and of course uh team up with Jonah Hex again because uh yeah just like the first season I just I love the guy they got to play Jonah I love the way they wrote mm-hmm. the character um and like I just I I thought it was it was fun to go back to that um and and just have fun with that character again um the one moment though and I can't say the whole episode but the moment and I'm pretty sure it was this season um I'm sure you guys will correct me if I'm wrong but it's after Stein technically steals something and it's a whole interaction between him and Rory or not Rory uh but um uh Mick Nick yeah Mick where he's he basically calls him on his He's like, you stole it. And he's just like, no, no, I, I temporarily maybe borrowed it for an extended period of time. And he just like calls him on it. He's like, no, you're my new partner. Like, we're going to steal things. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this. I would watch a mini series of Stein and Mick stealing. I'd watch it. Yeah, yeah that was when they were in the year 3000. Yeah. But yeah. He, Stein stole the part from the lab. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, how about you? Probably the Legion of Doom episode, though. I liked a lot, lot more character moments than actual altogether episodes. Though I think second favorite would have to be the uh, the Samurai episode because I thought that episode was really well played, even though it was basically a better version of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. 
<laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, no, I like that one, especially Mick's obsession with the ninja. Yeah. Oh, I you know, and that. then he actually I fights told you them. They were ninjas. <laughs> I, you know, the one thing is, I just totally wish that the others hadn't fought the ninja at all, and you were just left with wondering if it was all in Mick's head or if it was real. But because Sarah and everybody else ends up fighting them too, you know, it, it ends up being like, okay, well, you know, they were really there. But I thought it would have been a lot more fun if it was just like. <laughs> <laughs> Were there Ninda? <laughs> Is Mick just insane? Who knows? <laughs> this whole season, like I felt like that about Mick consistently. Like they did so many little things with Mick that just made me just love the character more and more. Like I think they did two episodes where Mick did the intro and I just yeah. laughed the whole time. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, could Mick just always do the intro? This would be great. <laughs> Seriously, you still need it. The time pigs. (laughs) (laughs) Who even writes this crap anyway? (laughs) Yeah, that was the same one with uh, at least the first time they did that was the Evil Rip one. Yep. Yeah, the first Evil Rip one, and that was really good. I mean, the writing on that one was just on point the whole way, except for, and I do have to call them out on this because. They keep on presenting the idea that in history, like, they can have interracial couples, and, like, no one really does anything other than just goes, like, oh, that's a little unusual, and just, like, you know, everyone ignores it and everything. It's like, you know, because Nate and Amaya were pretending like they were married, and it's like, no one at the party, like, thinks like that that's odd or anything. Yeah. And, uh, that was a problem in the first season, too, when they had the, um, hot girl girl and, uh, Ray. I'm I'm of two minds about that because I agree with you. It's like, oh, you know, here's George Washington's party or whosoever party it was, and mm-hmm. no one says or thinks anything, which is complete BS. But then on the other hand, uh, then they'll have, you know, Jefferson, you know, talking to the slaves and having this moment, and it's like I, I kind of get what you're trying to do, but I just don't. I'm not sure it's the right time and place, you know. So or or even well, the right. I don't know. Yeah, like, I feel like one. they almost. I feel like they almost used that Civil War episode as an excuse for all the people who were saying that they were sort of, you know, getting rid of that kind of, you know, I mean, they were kind of glossing over that kind of ugly side to history. Because, you know, and my my point of view is, if you're going to show history, you've got to show it in all its ugliness, you know, and, uh, and, and it's hard when you have an interracial cast and a cast that, you know, has women in prominent roles, but you ought to do it, you know, I mean, you ought to... Well, that's what I'm saying. Pick one. Either do it or don't. But don't sometimes do it, sometimes don't. Or, you know, in the same episode, do it and don't do it. It's it's kind of like uh, what they would do with Sarah, which I think is hilarious that she's, you know, the Captain Kirk. And she leaves mm-hmm. leaves women behind every time period she goes to. But, you know, that's kind of something else that, that there have never been any negative consequences of going through history, you know, mm-hmm. doing. Yeah, that's true. Other than in Salem, they wanted to burn her. Yeah, that's Make true. him watch <laughs> so good. <laughs> but uh for me um i guess i'll go with um yeah the japanese one <laughs> because i liked the whole thing they were doing with what makes a hero because i always like series where or or storylines where a character is what makes them special taken away you know like some sort of item or object or whatever taken away from them that they think makes them special or a power and then it's like well what can you do without that? Uh, it's one of the reasons why I like Iron Man 3, is because a lot of that movie is about who is Tony Stark when he doesn't have the armor. 
and is he worth anything? And that's sort of the same journey that Ray goes through. And I also love all the stuff with the ninja, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, Shogun was the title of that one, and uh, I really liked that one a lot. So overall, you know, we talked about that we like the show. We feel like it's going in the right direction. Ryan talked about how Vandal Savage was a travesty, which I have to agree with. I mean, how do you set up this immortal villain and make him completely unthreatening? You know, I mean, it was like one of the biggest failures that I think that they could have done. Apparently, the first thing you do is cast a guy who's like 5'2". <laughs> well, the problem was, I felt like he worked in the Flash Arrow crossover that they did. Uh, you know, it set up Legends. Yeah. You know, when they had the scene where um, he is able to injure the Flash... You know, where he, like, throws the knife where the Flash is going to be instead of, like, at him. And, you know, that, that to me, established him as a credible threat. That this guy, even though he might not have powers, has been around so long and knows how to fight so well that he can take on these guys, even with metahuman powers. But then in Legends, it's like they never did anything. He just stood around and talked a lot. You know, I mean, he barely had any kind of fight scenes. And when he did, it was nothing really spectacular. And I just felt like he was completely unimposing and unthreatening yeah and just yeah they completely squandered <laughs> but um but but just the main thrust of this season uh overall you know the idea of the search for the spear of destiny and how it was handled you know any any uh you know thoughts on the overall season arc well i, I think legends works best when you don't try and think it through too much yeah. because yeah you can pick it apart like crazy uh, you can have bad characterization and bad chemistry and a great story or a great characterization and great chemistry and a weak story and that's kind of what legends is mm -hmm. it's not the worst but for the most part it worked for me again as long as i didn't think it through too much but i do have to say and this, this might be controversial might not i don't care i'm me but <laughs> the idea of the spear of destiny and Jesus and bringing religion into this. I mean, the, the show has de facto said established Christianity as the one true um, belief, you know, one true reality. I guess unless I mean, they, I would have preferred that they'd explain the Spear of Destiny to be something else. It could have been at the crucifixion. That's fine, but it should have had some other origin. Mm. Fair enough. I don't think that they. I don't think by saying that this item has special power, they were saying that it has to be necessarily that... I don't think that it necessarily has to mean that Christianity is the one true religion. They just said that this is a, an event that happened, it's super duper important, you shouldn't mess with it. And created an object which can literally reshape reality. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they never gave a cause for why it was imbued with certain, uh, you know, with power, so... <laughs> I feel like they gave themselves an out, but I understand why that it's problematic. Yeah. So, Eric, uh, any thoughts about the storyline as a whole? Well, there are moments where you forget there was overall arcing story arc especially in the middle of the season with some of the uh, with some of the uh, sillier episodes which i mean mm. isn't necessarily a bad thing and i feel like when you're not heavily focused on you know the main plot which always seems to be like some of the heavier issues with uh with flash and arrow and even supergirls kind of been falling to that this season i feel like it, you can have a handful of episodes especially right in the middle where you know separated 
in between different points of the season where you just have like a crazy story like you know the the gang has to go help uh jonah hex for an episode or you know the legion of doom have to learn how to work together instead of killing each other those kind of episodes are definitely the strength of a show like this and i feel like the same can be said for flash and arrow and and just uh supergirl as well like the 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 crossover episodes between all four shows and, and even though it's technically three of the shows uh, <laughs> and that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Where it's like less of right. a focus on the overall big, bad plot, which kind of definitely lends itself to the issues down the line more than anything. Well, you know, that's a good point to bring up because, you know, I hear people more and more saying that they want more shows like what Netflix is doing or what you see in England, where there are very short seasons that are only telling a single story and it's it's very tight. But I still think that there's room for series like the standard American 22-episode season, even though Legends was 17. But, you know, I think I think this might have something to do with, you know, us being comic book fans also, is we sort of like that sort of serialized storytelling where every issue is another day in the life. And so not every day in the life is going to be about a main plot. You know, sometimes yeah. it's just what did you do that day, you know, and what happened to these characters? And see, I, I still like that kind of story. I, I li- also like tighter series as well. No one is going to complain about 22 episodes if they're good episodes. Well, I don't know, because I've had somebody basically say I'm giving up on any series that's more than 10 episodes a season. That's because they don't think there'll be they'll be good. <laughs> I, if you have 22 episodes, you're going to have a few duds. If you have, what do the Netflix shows have, 13 episodes? Yeah, the Marvel ones, yeah, yeah. 13. Yeah, yeah. 10, 10 to 13. So you, they do, you, there is more writing on it. You, there's not as much room for failure. I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe 17 is the magic number. Could be. Yeah, I feel like those Netflix shows can cut it down to eight and they'd be fine. Yeah, well, different discussion by a group. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I totally get what you're saying, Eric. And, and yeah, I think there's definitely, you know, a lot of fun to be had in some of these episodes that aren't about the main plot. What about you, James? I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed it more than last season's plot line, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Can we kill Vandal Savage? No. All right, go on to the next episode. Right. Can we kill Vandal Savage? No. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, I felt well, and they tried uh, like uh, like one of the one of the glaring issues for season one so much, even outside of just Vandal Savage, is like there were all these like weird subplot lines they tried to like write in to keep things interesting and engaging, and like some of them worked. I didn't feel like a lot of them worked, um, and so it was just really distracting. It was like they were trying to distract us from the knowledge that the main plot was so bad. <laughs> like, here, pay attention, shiny object. This is like, it's not shiny enough. I'm aware of what's happening. And so I felt like this season did a lot better job with, like, uh, smaller subplots were still engaging as as we kind of talked about, like, um, you know, Stein's daughter and, you know, engaging with that. You know, making the characters themselves more uh, have more utility um, individually, like as as crew members, rather than just being a superhero team. Mm-hmm. So I felt like there was just a, a lot more stuff that got fleshed out uh, really, really well. But I, yeah, I mean, I just it's so much better. Like it's so much better by leaps and bounds. Like it's it, it, like I don't I don't know that I can surmise my feelings. <laughs> into like really great words beyond a whole lot of them. 
Like I was just so much improvement. Um, I hope they continue with that. Um, I hope they don't get muddled down by like weird plots. But I mean, I felt like the Spear of Destiny itself um, was an interesting concept. Um, you know, this tool that could rewrite reality. And and like you, that's where I ran into like now we're running into this weird issue of because uh, I've even identified it of like the timeline. And it was just like, okay, so now we're talking. There's two different ways of screwing with time, one of which is being a legend, the other one's being Barry Allen, and <laughs> now we can rewrite reality, so time doesn't matter. Got it. Okay. Um, so it, it just it was an interesting concept. I think I didn't care so much about, ultimately, like the Spear of Destiny and what it could do. I ended up caring more about just the threat of like this omnipotent group of evil men being like, hey... We're tired of being the damn underdogs. We'd like to be on top for once, so we're going to make reality make it so. Um, I just, I loved that. Um, it, it was interesting to explore that new dynamic. Ryan and I, I know, both watch a show called Once Upon a Time, and they did a storyline uh, a couple seasons back about the villains getting their happy endings. And I felt like they really dropped the ball on that storyline in Once Upon a Time, but I feel like what they did in Legends was doing that right. Yeah. Because we got to see a world where the villains, in, in all their villainy and evil ways, got everything that they wanted. You know, all their schemes like came to fruition. And anything, anything that they did, you know, you saw the trophy wall mm -hmm. that Dark had with all the masks. Now, the one problem I had with that trophy wall was that the Flash's mask was on there, and I couldn't believe that Thawne would give Dark the satisfaction, even in an alternate reality that they created, of killing the Flash. Yeah. That was the one thing that I was like, Ugh, that doesn't make character sense, because I, I would think that Thawne would reserve that right for himself. Okay, that's your one thing. My one problem yeah. with that was <laughs> Thawne's entire driving force in season one of The Flash was to get back to his time. See, to me, when he right. had the Spear of Death, he shouldn't have even been around anymore. He should have been back home. Why was he even there? That's true. I thought about that, too. That was my one problem with Dark's trophy wall. It wasn't my one problem oh, with the sorry. whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I liked that Thawne was, like, you know, around to watch and gloat and see how they had, like, you know, hobbled all these people who were opposing him. But, yeah, it did, it did seem weird from the standpoint of his character in the past. But, oh well. <laughs> So, thoughts on where the show is heading, or things that you want to see in the next season? Uh, James, let's start with you. Do you have do you have anything that you're looking for, or you hope that they do in the next season? M more Mick. Like, they <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I'm just so sold on his character. Like as I said, I think this season did such a really great job with, like, his character development. I'm really fleshing him out. And I am interested to see, like, this new dynamic, um, because obviously, like, they build this like mistrust, you know, late into the season where suddenly like everybody's like, yeah, we just all see you as a common criminal. Um, and then like by the end, it's like, oh, we're friends again. And I was like, don't feel like that's entirely 100 percent. I feel uh, that was great. Like, yeah. you guys aren't being real. <laughs> no, that, that was retconned. It never yeah. happened. Oh, it never. That, that's right. That's right. Because they rewrote reality. Um, yeah, so I mean, that no one even knows that that happened. At its point, obviously. So it'd be interesting to see if that does come back up um, at all. I um, <laughs> yeah, I hope not too. Like, just because I don't want to see them like rehash it at all. Um, as far as a story narrative, I do want to see. Um, 
I'd like to see more of Stein's uh, daughter in any variation, whether that's uh, in any of the universes, you know, in any of the worlds as far as, you know, the Arrowverse or um, in the Flash or anything like that. But I really want to see her interact more with Stein. I think I'd like to see them actually, like, end up coming home um, more than, like, one mm. episode out of this season. Um, just to, like, see, you know, what's changed in their world, if anything. Um, or, you know, even just to see something, like, lighthearted and, like, a little reconnect back um, with, you know, where they come from. And, and maybe even people, you know, they know and love. Like, it's obviously, like, Stein being gone for as long as he was had, like, a huge impact on, like, not just relationship with his new daughter, but, um, you know, obviously like with his relationship with his wife, things like that. So I'm, I'm interested in like smaller narratives of like how that's all being affected. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't want to see rip, but, uh, that's inevitable. <laughs> We're just gonna see rip. I'm sure. Uh, cause we can't get away from it, but yeah, I don't, I, and I'm of course curious, like how do you top the Legion of doom? Like what, what's the new villain? What's the new threat? Dark side. (laughs) (laughs) That would top the Legion of Doom. (laughs) I'm not sure that they could pull it off, but... Well, if they get Michael Ironside. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even put any makeup or anything on him. It's just like Michael Ironside is Dark Side. Just, just give him the uh, the what do they call the omega beams <laughs> out of his eyes. Just leave him completely alone. <laughs> but, anyway, all right. Oh, um, Eric, what about you? Is there anything you're looking forward to in the next season, or anything you hope they do? I'm hoping for the return of Captain Cold. It would be nice to see a snart uh, back. <laughs> I'm not sure. Eric. It really depends. It really depends on what they do. Lash. All right, well, well, yeah, I was about to say, would you rather have Captain Cold back on Legends, or would you rather have him on The Flash as the leader of the rogues? That is valid. I don't know. Because I think I would rather, having read some Flash comics recently, and I mean recently, like in the last six months, and they were older comics, but Cold as the leader of the rogues is, is what I like. That's what I want to see. So that, that's, I, I, would, I would love to have that. Commandy would be nice, especially with what they set up at the end. I really feel like there's a chance that we might see him. Either him or Omac or both would be nice. I would love to see Jonah Hex as a full-fledged member of the cast for at least mm-hmm. a multi-arc, uh, if not full-fledged, um, full-fledged cast member. At least a multi-arc where he's traveling with the team. Booster Gold would be nice. I was waiting for that. <laughs> a proper... Well, The Miz apparently wants to play him, and I'd be fine with that, because that's perfect casting. Cocky... Well, you know you know how Booster mm-hmm. Gold is uh, is written. But um, I'm trying to think of what else. That was off the top of my head. An actual version of Kronos, and not the uh, the weird assassin that Mick played. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of what else. Like, as the big bad, so we actually see like a full-fledged Kronos time-traveling badass villain instead of oh here's here's mick behind a mask because the uh yeah i'm not getting into that rant um <laughs> trying to think of what else more mick definitely is always a good thing more of Stein's daughter because she's awesome but i would love to see her like even guest a little bit on whether it be like flash or actually yeah probably just flash she's in central city so there's no reason why she couldn't hang out with team flash uh, i'm trying to think what else yeah, I don't know. I can't really think of much right. else. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if they shake up the cast 
again and maybe like add a member to to the um to the ship again they did say there would be one new cast member next season but they're not saying who it is our man <laughs> oh wait he's dead they it was weird they they made it very they made it really cryptic they said it was like oh, i can't i can't remember what it was but it was something weird it was almost like a riddle where they were like it's a DC character, mm. but it isn't from the comics or something weird like that. Ragman. People were even throwing out things like Batman Beyond and stuff, but it's like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just, just put uh, the other Rory on the ship. Confuse the hell out of everything. <laughs> Ragman. <laughs> oh. He's not an error. I'm kind of done with they Ragman. Never, we, they never said the suit is dead, so put Ragman yeah, on no, the ship. It wouldn't even have to be I, that I just, version. It could be, you know, it's been a family thing. It could be his father or whatever. That's true. Or either version of uh, Sandman. And by either version, I'm not talking the Neil Gaiman one. I'm talking the full-fledged <laughs> gas mask badass or Sandy. Whichever one. I'll take either. Okay. <laughs> Ryan? Okay, so the season started off with them becoming self-appointed you know, aberration police. I'd kind of like to mm-hmm. see a little bit more of that. You know, see them trying to you know quantum leap it and, and fix you know the timeline some more i think there's potential there that they didn't quite get the chance to explore before they had to move into the league and the serve destiny beyond that yeah i, I mean guest star wise i would love constantine to show up yes um, I, yeah yeah and bring back matt ryan for that um, i i think it would be awesome to have cisco for a few episodes you know as vibe on the team i, mm. I just think that dynamic his personality with the rest of the uh, the team would be phenomenal and I don't know, make some reason for it to happen. You, why not? This is such an interconnected universe. They can shuffle it up a little bit. Then Felicity to Central City to get away from that group. No, no. I, whatever. Get whatever. rid of Felicity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care why. Just get Cisco on the Wave Rider for a time. Um, but as far as like uh, a villain, okay, so <laughs> this, this does two things for me. One, you're going to hate. Well, you might hate both, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> make the villain... Um, Aliens, uh, Thanagar. I mean, we know in the origin of the Hawk, Hawkman and Hawkwoman. So to bring them back to explain, you know, that to explain what what happened with their origin and why they were immortal, and then have them show up in the present or the future or something like that. So that way you can bring them back, even if only for an episode or two. Because I do think those mm-hmm. characters had the most potential. They might have been written poorly, but I think they had that that idea of you know, immortal lives, the reincarnation again and again and again, they could have done so much more than they did do with it. Yeah. You know, there was a rumor going around for a while that we were going to see them and uh, in the uh, Flash episode where he goes into the future because the newspaper article mentions that Hot Girl was there uh, with his fight, the reverse Flash. And so there was, there was a lot of internet theory because she even took a, a selfie of herself uh, with some of the cast, and they were like, "Well, she was up in Vancouver, so you know, could you know, she could be in that one." And I think that was, uh, I mean, obviously it didn't fit with the episode that they did, but it, again, yeah, I, I'm fine with seeing her for an episode. I don't want her back on Legends, but having her and Hawkman back for an episode would be perfectly fine. Yeah, <laughs> or more. <laughs> <laughs> right. But what was your other thing? I think that was about all of it. More aberration policing. Do something. Oh, I thing. thought you said there were two things. One I was going to hate, and one I wasn't. Oh, bringing back the Hawks and oh. to fight to bring back you know uh, alien invasion type concept oh, okay. uh, and, and uh, you know Thanagar. Yeah, for me. I want to see the legend for well, I guess two things that are slightly related. I'd like to see them do things with 
you know, the timeline of the DC reality, which, we've, you know, some of you have kind of touched on, but also things like, you know, we saw future Oliver in an episode. It would be nice, like, to maybe see future Flash or something like that, or, like you say, Cisco is vibe, things like that. You know, I think that would be fun to sort of play around with that, like, have the crossover, but not necessarily crossover with the show in the present day. You know, we ended up in an episode of The Flash from season 12, you know, something like that. So, you know, I think that would be a fun way of playing around with things. But also, I'd love to see them actually travel to other Earths and yeah. maybe explore a little bit there. You know, go to Earth 2, Earth 3. Or 30-something. You know, right. <laughs> or 30 say It doesn't matter. It can be one of the ones we've seen before or not. It just as a gateway for exploring one of those worlds and even being able to see sort of the past and future of those worlds. Um, you know, um, Legion of Superheroes is a possibility then, um, which was hinted at last year but never really fulfilled there's a ring on supergirl what are you talking about hinted <laughs> well that's yeah, it was hinted but don't even say hinted that's a flat out <laughs> they, they didn't they didn't actually but where are the characters <laughs> that's what i'm saying it was hinted that they were gonna have them but then they never did anything with them so blame jeff johns <laughs> <laughs> add it to the list <laughs> and the other thing that i'd like to see is from how they ended it with L.A. with sort of like the mixed up times with dinosaurs and Big Ben and a futuristic looking building and everything else sort of mixed up together. Yeah. I don't know if any of you are familiar with a book series called Dinosaur World uh, by Stephen, Le- uh, Stephen Lee. It's, it's basically that same concept that because of this catastrophe that happens in time, like there are these time storms that like jumble things up. And it almost seemed like they're going that way. And so I would like this next season to be kind of teeing off on what you were saying, Ryan. It's sort of like almost like trying to fix everything. And I'd like to see kind of, uh, you know, them jumping to different times where time has sort of become mixed up and get things out of the hands of people that shouldn't, you know, high tech in, 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 uh, in, in primitive times or dinosaurs in the present and stuff like that. And just seeing them try to like, sort of like straighten out the sort of clean up their mess. muddled nature. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Clean up their mess. And I, I, I'm hoping just that what we saw isn't going to be like, uh, Oh, the first episode of next season, we take care of it and time's fixed. You know, I'd like to see that sort of be a running theme throughout the next season. Cause I think that sort of, it's not the same kind of a quest as what they did with the spear where they're searching for something. It's more of just a sort of a job that they have to do or just a running theme in lots of different periods that they can go through. And I think that that would be interesting because of the different combinations that you could create with time A and time B mixed together. So I think that that would be a lot of fun. I don't know if that's where they're going with it, but I think that that would be a, an interesting thing to watch. So... Yep, that's all that I had to say about Legends. Do any of you guys have anything more to say? Nope. Um, I think the only thing I would say is, like, anybody listening, like, if you if you kind of fell off, like, after, you know, obviously there's, like, some spoilerous things here, but hopefully that doesn't destroy worlds for you. Um, if you kind of fell mm. off after season one, because uh, you're like, I don't know, definitely go back and watch season two. It's, it's a huge improvement, like a hundred percent, like just take a look at it. I think if you didn't like season one, you'll definitely enjoy season two more. It is definitely a night and day scenario. Yeah, (laughs) It is such a different show now with the majority of the same characters and somehow it just works so much better. 
Ryan, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you would uh, uh, that you want to talk about? Uh, not, not really. I mean, for a sophomore season, I think it's doing great. If they can ever fix their time travel continuity issues, this would probably be the best show in the Berlantiverse. Yeah, although I have to say, Berlanti doesn't have a good track record with third seasons. Uh, so. <laughs> Shut so. up! Shut your mouth! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little worried. <laughs> But at least this was more like an Arrow Season 2 than it was a Flash Season 2. So it was definitely a tick upward. <laughs> so I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I know I probably sound like I was ragging on it, but it really is just the inconsistencies. If they got rid of those, they streamline things a bit more storytelling-wise, I think that I'd be completely on board. But, uh, all right. So that is Legends of Tomorrow. We'll definitely have um, some more episodes one each for Supergirl, Flash, and Arrow, because trying to do all four shows in a single episode of a podcast was ridiculous, as I'm sure Ryan will attest. <laughs> fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun, but it was three hours, and we still barely touched yeah. on each of the four That was half, shows, half season. So. That wasn't even... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ryan, that was even a half season. <laughs> so. <sighs> all right, anyway. All right, so... um. Let's do our sign-outs and uh, let people know where they can find you. So, uh, Eric, why don't you start off? I am just at Eric Ratcliffe on Twitter. And you can go to newcomicday.net to find my webcomic. And <clears throat> my podcast is available on iTunes. And it's just uh, Why I Love Comics podcast. And, yeah, that is it, I think. Okay. <laughs> well, you would know better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh james why don't you sign out and let people know where they can find you yeah um so people can find me uh on twitter at roman on the rocks of course facebook is the same thing it's all roman on the rocks even the website roman on the rocks.com of course as said podcast coming soon i'm just waiting for a couple of them to finish up edit and those will start getting released so uh definitely check me out um and uh hopefully people like it all right and ryan why don't you sign out and let people know where they can find you goodness gracious internet you should know where i am by now <laughs> i really i feel like this relationship's a little one-sided however if you're one of our new international listeners like aren't you we're getting you're aren't you getting listeners from all over i don't know you can mention that later uh, yeah yeah Ger germany sweden north or i'm sorry south korea <laughs> <laughs> north korea that would be yeah. funny south korea and new zealand there you go those are the four countries besides the U.S. So if you're one of our new international listeners, uh, you can find me here. You can find me uh, at Geek Stranger on Twitter. And from there, you can find my Facebook page. And hand to heart, I'm going to get to my website soon, uh, geekstranger.com, <laughs> and do stuff with that. It looks pretty. I'll give it that. You know, not much content, but you know, it, visually, it's nice. Well, you'll know if it's true because by the time this airs, that week that you, or the, that time he has off will have already happened. So go to the website right now and give it a look. Then you can just judge him <laughs> and judge him accordingly. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Ryan, James, and Eric, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Of course, anytime, man. And another episode of the 42 cast comes to its conclusion. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we hope that you keep following us week to week. Uh, but the only way that we can get better is if you give us feedback. Uh, we got a little bit towards the beginning of the podcast, but it's kind of dried up since then. And I really want to know how you feel about how the show's been going lately, what you think about the guests that we've had, the topics that we've had. 
what you think about uh, the future of the show, things that we can improve, uh, any of that kind of stuff, uh, I would really want to hear. So feel free to leave us feedback on either Stitcher Radio or iTunes. You can send us an email at everything at 42cast.com. You can tweet to us at at 42cast on Twitter, or you can drop us a line on Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. Other than that, I'm still working on clearing out the backlog. I'm working on getting better recording software. I'm looking at uh, better communication services other than Skype. Uh, The challenge there is, of course, to find something that's universal enough that everyone can use that's going to be on the podcast, and it's not too much of a hassle for them to set up, while at the same time giving uh, high fidelity of sound. So that in itself is a little bit of a challenge. Uh, It's hard to find something free that can do that. But also, if you want to suggest something in that regard, feel free to use any of those methods that I mentioned before and uh, just drop me a line, let me know. So with that, it's time to wrap up the podcast. Uh, Join us back next week when Stephen Amell will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You've been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2017. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.